0: on Instagram and Twitter, at KC Ottawa, and Facebook, at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy! Do you believe it this morning? If you don't, I believe it for you. If you don't, I believe it for you, but I believe you believe in this house this morning. I'm just so thankful to see all your lovely faces. Why don't you take a seat, look to your neighbor, and say, as it is in heaven. Thank you to the team. It's a great weekend today. Frozen 2 is out. If you have kids, that's what it's all about. Um, I'm excited today because we are in week three of our Sacrifice Matters series. If you haven't been tracking with us, I'd encourage you to check out the podcast, check out the YouTube channel get up to speed with where we've been. How many believe in this room, sacrifice matters? Everything in life worth living for, everything in life that is good in your life, let me just tell you, came as a result of some sort of sacrifice. One of the definitions, you know how there's always a few definitions in the dictionary of every word, right? One of the definitions... Maybe at the top, top three of the word sacrifice, you know what it says? Parenting. (laughs) I'm just joking, but parenting. That's my, that's my interpretation. That's my dictionary definition. Everything that has life, let me put it that way, that has life did not come without sacrifice. Sacrifice is a form of worship. And worship is a form of sacrifice. When I say worship, what do you think about? Most of the time we think about music. We come together here, we lift up our hands and we sing songs to God. For some of us it's Christian karaoke. We don't even know what we're singing. We're reading the screen. We have no idea what it means. We don't even believe half of it. And yet we're singing it. It's Christian karaoke. But to God, when we sing with the right heart, with the right motives, it's worship. But do you know that singing to God in music is just one small, itty-bitty component of what worship really is? Anytime we sacrifice with heaven's motive, it's worship. I'm not talking about sacrifices just for the sake of sacrificing. I'm talking about sacrifice with a kingdom intention behind it. I'm talking about spirit-led sacrifice is a form of worship because it honors God. We're talking about that today. You know, every, we are in a series right now called Sacrifice Matters and this is leading up to what we do, as you saw on the video news, every year, the second Sunday of December, we do what we call our House of Hearts Offering. It's for the people of the house that call this place home. And every year, we ask the house to sacrifice, to step out in faith financially, to sow a sacrificial gift above and beyond their normal giving. Because how many know that everybody is sitting here because somebody else gave? The only way that you could come to church is because of someone else's sacrifice. Sacrifice matters. Maybe your marriage is transformed, but guess how that happened? Because somebody else sowed a seed of sacrificial giving so you could come to church, be touched in your marriage, and be set free. Somebody else sowed for your breakthrough that you don't even know, that you'll never even meet, most likely. Somebody else sowed a prayer that you will never hear, never heard. Somebody else prayed a prayer for you that yeah, you're living the fruit of in your life. They sacrificed at some uh, place, at some form of time. Maybe your great, great, great grandmother that you've never met, uh, had prayed for her future generations and you are that future generation that is now knowing God, following God and serving Him with all your heart. Her sacrifice, generations before you went ahead of you Paid the price so you could have that encounter. Somebody else sacrificed. And every year, set Dece- in the second December or second Sunday of December, we do what we call our House of Hearts offering. We ask the house to partner their faith. We ha- we say write it down on a. We have this card we pass out. It's like a bookmark. Write down what you're believing for for the following year, and attach your financial sacrifice with that belief. And I'm telling you guys, we every year we see incredible things. Why? Because God loves sacrifice. He loves when we step out in faith, when it makes no sense to sometimes, and honor God in worship, but also believe that he will do above and beyond what we can think, ask, or imagine. That's his word to us, Ephesians 3. That's his word to us. That he will do above, we, above, above and beyond what we can think, ask, or imagine. That is who he is. He's just like that. And every year we hear incredible, incredible stories, guys, of breakthrough and, and lives being changed. You just heard one today, Eduardo and Juliana. I love that. It might be small to you guys, but it's massive to everyone that's believing for it. God wants to do what only he can do in your life in this next season. And I'm praying that this house would move into a season of great breakthrough. We are praying today in our leadership training that we would move into a season of great breakthrough. What do I mean by breakthrough? That the areas that we are stuck in right now would no longer be what we're stuck in. Some people don't like that word breakthrough. Let let me tell you, your whole life is about getting breakthrough in areas that you're stuck right now. Your whole life. Believing for God's best when life gives you the worst. That's what the spiritual life is all about. Believing for God's best based upon the truth of who He is when life is throwing at you the worst possible case scenarios every day. Believing that God is the provider He says He is when you have nothing. Believing that God is the healer when you are sick. Believing that God is good when life just feels bad. The whole spiritual life is about Putting God's truth into every area that's contradictory to that truth. That's what our spiritual life, that's what the wrestle that we're up against day in and day out is about. I want to read a scripture to you and then we're going to dive right into this. Let's go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Paul the Apostle is writing to the believers in the church, at the church of Rome, the believers in Rome. And he's encouraging them, okay, he's encouraging them to begin the journey of transformation, of a transformed life. He's encouraging them in the fight that they're facing. He's giving them the antidote to all of the things that they're going to come up against. He's introducing to them what I believe is the solution to every problem that they are either facing or will face at one point. Let's go to Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, everyone say, therefore. I want to make sure you're here. Are you here? Yeah. Therefore, I urge you. Say, urge you. Some translations would say it like, beseech you. I know nobody uses that language, beseech you. But he says, I urge you. I urge you. That, that word to urge you, or in other translations, beseech you, in the original Greek, actually means to passionately call you out. That word actually is used throughout the New Testament to to illustrate passionate prayer. Some Greek scholars believe in this moment, the posture of Paul was literally on his knees praying that you will get this as a believer. So imagine Paul on his knees praying that what he's about to say, you would get a hold of and live out. Obviously, it's very important. Therefore, therefore, I passionately, in prayer, call you out, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. You know what mercy is? Not giving you what you do deserve. Grace is giving you what you don't deserve. Mercy is not giving you what you do deserve. Hebrews 4, verse 16 says we are to boldly approach the throne of grace to obtain what? So we boldly approach the throne of grace that gives us what we don't deserve to obtain what? Mercy. To not get what we do deserve. The verdict is always against you. We have an adversary who is always always accusing us and bringing up the past to say this is why you don't add up. This is why you're never going to make it. This is why because of A, B, and C. He's always accusing you to remind you of who you were. Because if he can remind you and get you into the place of who you were, he can put shame and guilt on you so that you don't move into who you are. So we approach God's grace, giving us what we don't deserve to obtain, to obtain not getting what we do deserve. Mercy. Another word for mercy is understanding God's deep feelings towards us. So in view, in view of God being a just God, a good God, a good judge, in view of God being gracious and merciful, in view of God's deep feelings towards us, this is what Paul says, to offer, everyone say offer. Offer, to present, to dedicate, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. He uses this illustration of living. Why? Because under the old covenant, a dead sacrifice had to be given to atone for the sin of the people. So a blood sacrifice had to be made, a one-time sacrifice, because you can't keep offering a dead animal over and over again. It's got to be a new dead animal. You get what I'm saying? So it's a one-time sacrifice that can't be used again, that's already dead, that has no life in it. And in that sacrifice, there would be the atonement for the sin of the people. That's how it used to operate. The new covenant, which is the better covenant, the more glorious covenant, which is the covenant Jesus came to to establish, he now was, that's why he was called the Lamb of God, who was slain, who was sacrificed for the sin of all people. He was the last sacrifice, the eternal sacrifice, the one and only, the last sacrifice that would ever have to be made on behalf of the people. So now Paul says, introduces this concept to a people that understand the old way. He says this is the new way. Now it's no longer a dead sacrifice that you can't keep offering over and over again. It's your life that's living that you offer over and over again. So see the the picture drawn here. He's he's using language in context to what they used to know. Now we offer our bodies as living sacrifices. And he uses that word body because if he were to have said, offer your soul, offer your spirit, what would you think about that? How do you logically understand how to offer something intangible? Paul uses language like, offer what you know offer what is. Offer what's easy to see. Offer what's tangible to you because what's tangible to you always always costs you something. To offer what's intangible doesn't cost you anything. You get what I'm saying? He's saying, I want all of you. I want what you know about you. I want all of it. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is what it says next. This is your true and proper worship. Do you see that? So what is worship? It's the offering of our lives every day to God. It's not just singing a song. It's not just having a prayer meeting. It's not reading your, doing your daily bathroom devotional to make yourself feel good about yourself. 30 days on the can, on the throne, whatever it is, sorry. Sorry to be a good book, though. And, and, you know, it's not just getting it done. It's an everyday mindset that everything I have is his. Guys, this is what we war against. Because it's easy for us to give him the things that are easy for us to give him. It's easy for us to give him the things that don't cost us anything. It's easy for us to give him the things that don't feel like sacrifice, that are just easy. But it's in the hard things the things that are painful, those sacrifices are what Paul is talking about in this passage. To offer your body as a living, not a living easy gift to God, as a living easy tip to God, but it's a living sacrifice. Sacrifice hurts. It's painful. You guys hearing what I'm saying? This is proper worship. Number two, or verse two, it says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world. The world, the culture, is trying to get you to look like them, speak like them, act like them. I don't mean look like in image, I mean look like in lifestyle. The culture is streaming at you to say, conform to the way that I have established what is truth. Paul is encouraging, he's boldly, passionately calling them out and saying, guys, please get this. Don't conform to the way the world expects you to be. But get a hold of renewing your mind to think more like God because when you do that, it transforms the inside of your life. And when the inside of your life is transformed, everything on the outside is touched and affected. It says here, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be, everyone say be. Transformed. The word, the word could be likened to the metamorphosis that a caterpillar goes, goes through when it goes from being a caterpillar in the canoe, in the, canoe, in the cocoon, <laughs> to becoming a butterfly. It's complete transformation. When you see a butterfly, no, one, no one's like, oh, that's a nice looking caterpillar. Right? No one says, oh, that's a beautiful caterpillar with wings. No, it's now a butterfly. It's completely transformed. It had a metamorphosis in the cocoon. So when you think better and you think right and you renew your mind, you go from being the caterpillar, being limited in your ability to see the world to all of a sudden transformed like a butterfly is now. There's, 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 there's height, there's, there's depth, there's sight. You can see because you're flying. You're above your situation. You want to get up higher, renew your mind. You want to get up higher in your finances, in your job, in your marriage, in your relationships, get into the Word when you're going through a hard time. Renew your thinking, okay, because it helps me have a metamorphosis of, of, of thinking, of perspectives, helps me have a metamorphosis of acting in my behavior so I could, see, if I see right, I'll do right. That's what repentance is, you know that? To repent is to re, to rewind, go up to the, this is where the word comes from, the penthouse, the high place, to re, to go back up and see like he sees from God's penthouse. That word pent, that's what it literally means. To go up to a higher vantage point and to see. That's why we're in this constant state of repentance. Help me to see right, God. Help me to see like you see. Help me to live out what Paul's encouraging the church to live out. To not be conformed to the pattern, the way, the thinking of this world. But to be conformed to the way that you've designed us to be conformed. The way that you've designed us to think. Are you hearing this this morning? He passionately calls these people out. This word is also described in what military commanders did before they sent their troops into battle. They would summon their troops together, and their commander would beseech or exhort them as he warned them of the realities of warfare. So he'd call them together, and he would urge them, like Paul is urging us, the same word is used, and he would get them all ready, encouraged, strengthened, and he would let them know what they're about to face. I'm calling you out to bring you into a healthy space so that when the fight comes against you or you go to the fight, you'll be able to be ready to handle the fight. So he's saying, listen, I'm giving you the tools right now. Be transformed with the renewing of your mind. Don't let the culture define you. You define it. That's our prayer for the kids, right? We want the kids to transform culture. We don't want the culture to transform them. That's our heart, right? We, want, we don't want the kids that grow up in a culture that may sometimes be upside down to transform their lives. We want the culture of God's kingdom in them to transform the culture around them. This is Paul's prayer for us as Heaven's kids. We're all Heaven's kids in here. This is Paul's prayer for us. Don't be conformed to it. But I got to get you together. I got to call you out because I got to warn you because... If you get this, and you start offering your body as a living sacrifice, it's going to be hard. You're going to be tempted not to offer. You're going to be tempted not to present your best. You're going to be tempted to just give in and give up. You're going to be tempted to quit. You're going to be tempted when everything's coming against you and saying no, 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 no. You're going to be tempted to lock into that no and accept it for what it is. You're going to be tempted. It says here, I love this, it says then. This is the latter part of verse 2. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let me just, I want to give you the antidote for understanding the will of God. Continually offer your lives as a sacrifice to Him in every area. And you'll just know the will of God. You know the number one reason why we don't know what the will of God for us is? is because we're holding all these areas back. Constantly, we want the knowledge, we want the wisdom, but we're holding all these areas that when we offer them to God, unlocks the wisdom of God, and then that is lived out as a byproduct of offering all of us to Him. How are you feeling this morning? I want to teach. I don't want to teach. I want to encourage you. I'm going to teach a little bit this morning. Is that okay? I love how it says that in the Passion Translation, it actually says about the last part of, of, of this is your spiritual act of worship. When you offer your body as a living sacrifice, it says this, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. You know why? Because there is an ingenuine expression of worship. There is an expression of worship that does it out of routine with the wrong motives. There's an expression of going through the motions that is ingenuine to God. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 said, listen, if you bring a gift to God, bring it with joy, not with depression. Don't bring it grudgingly because you have to. Because, listen, if you want to produce the fruit you're called to produce, let the motive be right. God cares more about the motive than he does the action at times. You know that? There's a big difference between a have to and a get to. A have to says to God, I don't know what you did for me, it's not a big deal. A get to says, I get to offer this back to you because of what you've offered to me. That brings a very different response, a get to revelation is a faith revelation. A have to revelation is a fear revelation, that if I don't do this, I'm going to be punished. That doesn't produce any fruit. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, It's impossible to please God except by faith. If fear is at the helm, we're not going to see the fruit that God wants us to see. This is our genuine expression of worship. I want to talk really quickly today and I'm going to see where this lands because I really felt I was to stay on that passage a little longer than I was planning to in the beginning. I want to talk about worship. And my subject really is worship. What? Say it. Come on. Say it. What? Like, what is worship? Like, I think, I think our culture knows what worship is really well. But I don't think our culture knows what worship really is at all. I just gave you kind of like a little bit of a riddle to think about. Our culture knows what worship is really well, but our culture does not know what worship is really at all. Why do I say that? Because our culture is very familiar. Without knowing it in language, we worship people, stars, celebrities, bands, actors, actresses. We worship money, fame, our relationships, the ones we have and the ones we don't have our career. We worship ourselves. We worship worship Christian karaoke. People leave the worship service and say, that was okay worship, or that was, oh, that was amazing. You know what? It's always good if you have a right heart towards it. You can get something out of something if you are looking for something. (laughs) You can get something out of what I'm saying if you go into this moment opening up your heart. But if you've got a closed heart and you're like already judging everything, who is this guy, what's his education, why is he wearing Yeezys, why is he wearing skinny white pants, who wears white pants anyways, and you're already, you're clammed up inside, you're not gonna receive anything. But if you go into every moment opening up your heart and say, hey, I'm going to pull something from this moment. You go into a worship moment you say, doesn't matter what it sounds like. doesn't matter what songs it is. I wish it was country. I wish it was Shania Twain. But guess what? It's not. We're in Ottawa. We're not in Timmins. And if you're in a moment where we're worshiping God and all you can do is say thank you, you've got something from that. That's all you need. It's an attitude of the heart to say, I'm gonna go into this moment and pull something from it. I'm not gonna let all the things I don't like distract me from getting all the things that God likes in the moment that he wants me to have. I'm pulling on faith. I'm pulling on every moment. This is hard. This is a war, you guys. This is part of every time coming into a moment like this an offering everything on the altar of God and saying, hey, I just, I want whatever you want to give me in this moment. I want to give to you. I want to bring a sacrifice of praise. I want to bring a sacrifice of my own talent, my gift, my mo-. Everything that I have is yours. And, and I'm just, I'm just going to pull on whatever I can in the moment. I mean, we worship the Word The religious people that Jesus rebuked said, hey guys, listen, you can read it in John 7. You guys listen, in these scriptures you think it's in them that you will find life. But you have failed to come to me, who is the Word, who is the giver of life. You've worshiped knowledge above the knowledge of God. There is the knowledge of man and the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God is I experience everything I say I believe. The knowledge of God is I experience faith in my everyday. The knowledge of man is I can read a book, I can read a historical document, and I can know everything up here and have no transformation here. So Paul said, renew your thinking so that there will be a metamorphosis on the inside. Because when the inside is right, the outside follows. We worship perfection. We worship our dreams and aspirations. We worship having the most or having the best. This is my big wrestle with my kids. It's part of human nature. My kids, every time I offer them something, they usually go, let's say I'm giving them coffee. Because I'm raising them up, discipling them young. Say I give them coffee. The first thing they do is they compare how full their glass is to the other person's glass it's in our nature, right, to always want to the best, to always want more, right? And in some ways, we worship having the most. We're comparing ourselves, not with ourselves or with God, but with other people. The only comparison that you never need to make in life is how your life compares to Him. He's the first, He's the prototype, He is the s- standard, He is the golden standard. He's the only thing you need to compare yourself to. When you start comparing yourself to others, their trophies, their wins, and feel like you're not enough, you know what happens? It destroys your, listen, comparison is a calling killer. It will kill your calling. Compare yourselves with Him. We worship having the most, having the best. I believe God's asking us this question today, what is your best offer? Because this is what Paul was encouraging the believers at Rome. To bring your best offer. Your best offer is every part of you. Offer your bodies. Say it with me. Bodies. How many bodies do you have? One. He's talking to the collective. Because there's something that happens when everybody, imagine everybody in here, were fully offering everything that they were to God. Imagine what would happen. So Paul said, guys, listen, if you want to see a move of God that's real, and you don't want to see a bunch of religious games being played, if you want it all, if you come together and offer all of yourself every time, this is why in the book of Acts there was a great movement that began what we know today as the church, because they were offering all of themselves all the time. It was all, they were all in. So he's saying, listen, if you're all in collectively as bodies, plural, not singular, if you're all in, you're going to experience some major transformation. You're all going to be like these, it's going to be like a a monarch butterfly revival. Because how many know caterpillars are really slow? You can't go very far as a little caterpillar, right? And that's when you get stepped on. It's very hard to catch a butterfly. At least harder than a caterpillar. You know, you, you get what I'm saying, right? You can be a caterpillar for as long as you want. But guess what? By the time it's over, you've only moved 10 feet. If you want to go far, think different. Think different so you could do different. Be different. Transformation on the inside. So I say that we are amazing at understanding what worship is as a culture because we do all those things I said all the time without even knowing it. But we really don't understand what Paul is saying when it says, this is our proper expression of worship. This is, the word actually is our, some translations would say it like this, this is your spiritual act of worship. The actual Greek manuscript would say it like this, this is your divinely God-enabled, logical response in worship. What he was saying is this is the logical way. This is God's logic. God's logic is offer it all to me, and that's what worship is. That's logic to God. Do you know what's logic to God is foolishness to us? What's logic to us is foolishness to God. We give to receive. We're last to be first. We To go high, we got to go low. Everything is backwards. So what's logical to us is foolishness to God. What's logical to God is absolutely foolish to us. are we doing in here? I hope you're getting something from this. So he's urging us. Let me just, I'm going to fast forward a little bit. He's urging us. He's urging us, like he's gathering his military troops. He's saying, guys, listen, okay, I'm calling you out passionately. I want you to get this. I want you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, because sacrifice is worship, and worship is sacrifice, and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, because what you're about to come against is going to challenge all of that. And then he goes into verse 3. It says then, don't think too highly of yourself, because you'll be brought down very quickly. Verse 4 and 5, he says, understand that you are members of the same human body, which is the body of Christ, that you all need to be working together. Then it says, verses 6, 7, and 8, in chapter 12, he says, every Christian should use his or her gifts selflessly for the benefit of everybody else. He's saying, be selfless. These are the challenges we're up against. Verse 9, love without hypocrisy, despise evil, hold fast to what is good. Verse 10, be devoted to each other in love, give preference to one another over oneself. Again, be selfless. That's one of your greatest struggles in offering your best to God. Verse 11 and 12, do all this with diligence, rejoicing, praying, and enduring in persecution. Why? Because you're going to be persecuted. People won't like you. People will come against you. You're going to face this. You're fa- I'm warning you ahead of time. When you want to offer your best to God, you're going to face all these challenges. Give to fellow people, fellow believers who have need, and be hospitable. Be generous, he's saying. Your generosity is going to be challenged to offer your best to God. Bless those who are persecuting you. Pray for all those that you can't stand right now. That's gonna be your biggest challenge. Pray for those that are causing your grace to grow and you don't even know it. They're called grace growers, mercy makers. They make you merciful and they grow your grace. Grace growers and mercy makers. How many have some of those around their lives? Has, every, every one of us should have those in our lives. Bless those who are coming against you. Verse 15, rejoice with others who are rejoicing and weep with others who are weeping. Celebrate with those that are celebrating and mourn with those that are mourning. Be of one mind, verse 16 says, don't be proud. Associate even with the lowly. Don't think of yourself as wise. In other words, don't be so caught up with yourself that you think you know it all. You're never gonna know it all. And every time you know it all, hopefully because you're close to him, you'll realize you know nothing at all. Every time we arrive on a new mountain is when we realize there are a lot more mountains than that mountain. Every time we get to the top, if you are seeing right, you realize how many more tops you have to get to. Which makes you realize it wasn't just all about what you thought it was about. When you're on a mountain, all you can see is that mountain. But when you get a higher perspective, you realize how much more there really is. In other words, you never stop growing. You never stop maturing. You never stop advancing. Write this down. On the other side of submission is great assault spiritually. On the other side of surrender is the great sacrifice of self. Worshiping self is the enemy's greatest evil. Think back to the beginning. You can read about it in Isaiah 14, verse 14. Speaking of Satan, he used to be in the Garden of Eden as a covering cherub. Hadn't fallen yet. He looked at God and said, hey, I'm not like this guy, but I want to be like this guy. He got all into himself and realized himself wasn't enough. He wanted to be better than the one who created him. And it says it, I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. And what happened? He fell. He was cast down. I don't want to get into a huge theological discussion on this. This is a whole other topic. But what I want to say is, if it happened to him, this is his greatest weapon against you. To start getting self-focused. You can't offer your best and be generous if you're only thinking about yourself. You can't give your best offer if you're only thinking about yourself. I want to give you seven things that he's after. These aren't points. These are just things t- for you to bring home with you this, this, this morning and this week. Seven things that he's after in your sacrifice. The devil's after your worship. Therefore, he's after your sacrifice because they're both synonymous with one another. You can't separate them. Number one, he's after your praise. Praise. He wants your praise. He wants your attention. He wants everything that you think about. Number two, he's after your time. He wants you to, he wants your time to be occupied with the things that will lead you down a path that won't help you in the long term. Do everything you can to not do what you need to do to get where you need to go. His goal is for you to sacrifice your time for his purposes whether you see that or not. He wants you to sacrifice your gifts. He wants to twist and distort their purpose. You might have good gifts, leadership gifts, but maybe you're using them in the wrong way. He wants to distort their use and cause you to use them and abuse them in a way that doesn't bring honor to God who gave them to you, but brings honor to everything else. Are you with me? He wants you to sacrifice, come after your finance. He wants your pocketbook. He wants to put holes in your pocketbook. He wants to rob you. He wants to take from you. Number five, he wants to go after your relationships, bring division and divorce. He wants you to take him out of the relationship. He wants your prayer life. He wants to silence you. He wants to silence you. He wants to close your mouth. He knows that your prayers are powerful. So if he can occupy your time, he can get you so full of shame you don't approach God. He gets you isolated. He's going to silence you because he doesn't want you to speak. He doesn't want you to pray. He doesn't want you to have conversation with God because he knows when you have conversation with God, the posture of your heart changes. And when the posture of your heart changes, your faith arises. And when your faith arises, you conquer the things that are conquering you. He's after your voice, but ultimately, he's after you. He ultimately wants you to give up the real you and settle for a false version of you. You know, being under the influence of drugs, of alcohol, all these things that we try to medicate our life with, often the motive is because we're not comfortable with us. We don't like how we feel when we're not under that influence. We don't feel as free. We don't feel as alive. We feel insecure. We feel all these fears, but when we loosen up a little bit, oh, I could be more free. That's a false version of you. God loves you for who you are. God loves you the way that you are. He wants you to conquer The things and the mindsets that are conquering you right now that are telling you, you don't have to be the real version of you. Just be a false version of you. Let everybody think you're really awesome when really you feel like you're not. So do these things so that you can loosen up to make everybody think you're awesome and hide the real version of you that God's always put in you. That's what he's after. The enemy's after the real version of you. He wants you to sacrifice for who you are not rather than sacrifice for who you are. Let me put it this way, sacrifice for who you are, not for who you are not. Sacrifice the things that are going to lead your life into destruction, rather than sacrifice and do things that will lead you into destruction to showcase some that you're not rather than sacrificing for the person that you really are. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? God wants your worship. He wants your best offer. He wants everything. It's a hard thing to hear. It's a hard thing to hear. I want to close with this in Luke two, verse twenty-two, you know, you were here when we were dedicating these ch- awesome children. We were, you, you were here witnessing it, and we were believing for these kids to just know God in a real way. That's our prayer. These kids would just know you. I pray that for my kids every night that they would know you in a real way. I tell, I tell them, Mom, you, I said to my kids, you can't believe in God because I believe in God. I don't want you to follow faith because this is what daddy and mommy, I want you to have your own encounter. You have to have your own experience. You have to know God as a friend your way. Not my way, your way. So we believe for these babies to... To, to last the long haul. These babies to, to know God in relationship. And this comes from many different parts of the Bible, but one of the places that I love is in Luke 2 verse 22, when Jesus on the eighth day, it was in that culture, and it was in that context that they would offer the firstborn. This comes from Exodus, how God wanted the firstborn male to be consecrated to the Lord. Now obviously, under the new covenant, we're, we're dedicating every every baby under the new covenant we are all firstborn now the bible says he's the firstborn and he has many brethren we are that brethren now of the firstborn okay that's a whole other thing i won't go there right now so we dedicate them to god jesus was dedicated on the eighth day in luke 2 verse 22 he was presented it says that joseph and mary presented him to god That same word for present is the same word that Paul uses in offering our bodies as living sacrifices. What he's saying there is bring me your best offer. Jesus was their best offer. He was the firstborn. The firstborn in that culture meant everything. They had the inheritance. They had the double portion. They had a special blessing from the Father. There's something about the firstborn. So they gave their best. They gave their choices. They gave their their best. The best offer they could give was to present Jesus to God. It's the same word used for offering our bodies as living sacrifices. Paul saying, listen, offer your best. If you give your best, you're going to live in a posture, in a culture of worship. And when you're in that place, guess what happens? You're going to know what the will of God is for your life. You're going to lock in. You're going to be locked and loaded. If you're questioning where you're going in life, if you're questioning what's happening in life, when you lock into this truth of bringing your best offer, everything becomes clear. God takes the cloud and brings clarity.